Don't take anything for granted. Go to the polls, vote your ass off as many times as it takes. In this noble experiment, more than 200 years old now, in, in representative constitutional democracy that we call the United States of America, after an election, there may be no finer, no, no more pure feeling than rubbing the other guy's face in his loss. Hey, everybody, I'm Steve Green with Scott Ott and Zoe Rachel filling in for Bill Whittle this week. And this is Right Angle, brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. And hey, before I get to our uh, races that we just just can't wait to feel a little schadenfreude about, uh, let me ask you to click that notification indicator. Give us the five star, the thumbs up, whatever it is that helps us get these videos to you, because that's the whole point, right? Right. OK, let's move on. Uh, gentlemen, I've been I've been watching not all 400 and whatever number of races there are in uh, 435 in Congress in the 32 or 33 in the Senate. I'm not watching all of them, but there are a few races that my my black little shriveled up heart just can't wait for certain Democrats to lose. And uh, another one of these races uh, uh, pinged my radar this morning, and it is. Uh, New York Congressman Sean Patrick Maloney, a Democrat, not just any Democrat. This is this is what makes uh, a possible loss so so delicious here. He is actually the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee chairman. That is, hmm. he's one of the guys in charge of deciding national election strategy for House Democrats and divvying up the money and determining where to where to spend that money to help these candidates win their races. And his own committee has said, boy, you're in trouble. Listen to this. Um, Democrats forced to bail out their own campaign chief with $605,000 as the race tightens. Apparently, there's there's one of these internal polls, and I tend to trust those more. You just don't read about them very often. Uh, campaigns are very tight-lipped about their internal numbers. There is an internal poll that shows his uh, Republican challenger, uh, State Assemblyman Mike Lawyer, with a six-point lead in New York's 18th district, which is a competitive race. So it might not be uh, a great indicator nationwide what's going to happen, but it's a hell of a bragging right to get to oust, to kick out on his fanny, the DCCCCCCC chair. Um, And so that's (laughs) that's my favorite race so far. We still got two weeks to go. This this is my favorite race to watch so far. Uh, So I you're a much warmer, nicer man than I am on, on most days anyway, I think. But I know there's at least one or two races where you're thinking, oh, I hope they lose. You know, you're right, man, because, you know, back in the day, I used to have the whole point of, uh, you know, it should be about we want to be motivated that our guy wins. We want to vote yes. for somebody, right? Yes. We want somebody to vote for. And as of late, man, it's just more about who we're motivated to vote against. And I didn't want to be that guy, man. I'm that guy now. And, um, <laughs> but, and you know, <laughs> embrace it. <laughs> right? Man, it's like, ah, uh, but I'm looking at um, the ones, that, as you say, pique your interest. Um, you got Stacey Abrams. And uh, Warnock, right? Man, man, matter of fact, I don't even know if I know who they're running against. I'm just—it's—it's—it it's, it brought me to that place of where it's like I don't care who you're running. I just hope that you lose. Um, but I mean, yeah, I know that that Warnock is running against uh, a Walker and, and, and whatnot. But I mean, Stacey Abrams, man, the one who says, that, "Hey, if you want to save money on gas, abort your kids." Uh, it's like, you know, as I was talking about with Bill earlier, it's like, man, in her philosophy. 
uh, to save money, it's better to drill a kid, drill a hole in a kid's head, suck out his brain and eliminate the kid than it is to drill a hole in the ground and suck out the oil. <laughs> it's like your, your, your priorities seem a little bit, you know, skewed there, madam. And uh, man, I just saw footage of uh, Stacey Abrams. Man, if you want to see something cringe, you want to see something cringe. Man, she was at this concert with this um, this music, if you could call it that, oh. music artist. You, you sound like you saw it. Man. I saw it. I, I, no, I didn't watch any video. I, I just I couldn't bring myself to do it. But I saw a couple of stills, you know, with the sign in the background. But I'll, I'll let you tell people about that. This this is the kind of commercial. See, campaigns like Weight Watchers could camp could, could, could make commercials out of stuff like this because you got this woman out there singing this vulgar song, you know, P word, good P word, sweet and all this sort of stuff. And, and this is a song that they use. There's some other footage of some transvestite. Uh, oh man, we're gonna be fired from the internet because I said that, man. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> do, do, doing a dance, singing this song. These women in the background cheering her on. They got their kids and stuff like that. I'm like, wow. But anyway, this this woman is singing this song. Stacey Abrams is out there with the sign talking about my body, my choice. And it's like, your body ain't choice, Stacey. But anyway, so sorry. Uh, so my body, my choice in front of thousands of people screaming and cheering. And she's got these scantily clad, you know, people like walking past her. And it's like, man, woman, where is your dignity? These women, these undignified women who at least got a body, right? Walking up and down, it's like, like they're on a catwalk. And she's holding up this sign talking about my body, my choice. And all these people are screaming and, and, and cheering to this song, my P word, and just going on and just denigrating the dignity of a woman. And they're celebrating this. And I'm like, this is the people. It's like, yeah, I this I vote against. I'm sorry, man. I'm, you're not really doing giving me something to really vote for as much as these people are giving me something to vote against. I'm motivated more by and then just on a quick tip, Warnock, same thing, man. And and these are the these are the so-called separation of church and state people and all that sort of stuff. And they go and this guy's just, uh, assuming to be a pastor. Talking about how it, uh, abortion squares up with the Bible and all these things we're affirming, affirming with people's gender issues. And it's like, Warnock, man, you misspelled Warlock, dude. You are an oath breaker. You are a straight up witch. <laughs> and, and, you know, but this is the people who are garnering support. And even, and, you know, chances are, man, they could, they could probably lose. I hope they do. They, they probably could. But, man, for it to even be that close, it's disappointing, man. Yeah. And the thing is, I think Herschel Walker is going to win this. He was, so Trump made uh, some what I thought questionable endorsements for for Senate candidates, the, the worst probably being uh, Dr. Oz in in Pennsylvania, mm. although he seems to be uh, uh, gaining on Fetterman and, and might actually win this thing. But it shouldn't gaining be close. Nick. It shouldn't be close against mm. a guy with with you know, brain damage from a stroke. Um, that said, the Herschel Walker pick, that one didn't bug me. I knew it was an experience. I thought he was going to be a little rough on the campaign trail. And sure enough, he's been he's been rough on the campaign trail. But uh, he's so beloved in Georgia. He's such a great personality that I figured he would he would catch something, catch a break somewhere. And it happened in the debate a week or two ago. And it's good to see. I, I think Herschel's going to pull this out. I think he's going to be a good senator. All right, uh, Scott, uh, over to you. What uh, what race, good or bad, has, has caught your eye this cycle? Uh, there are really three races. And uh, on two of them, you're going to think I'm cheating. Uh, <laughs> first of all, the race uh, that I'm, I'm most happy to see how it's going right now is the abortion industry versus America. 
And mm. it is great to see uh, that the sort of one trick pony that the Democrats decided to ride uh, to what they thought would be electoral victory is not playing out the way they had hoped it would. Um, that's not to say that I think, you know, I'm so excited about the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe versus Wade because somehow that's going to magically uh, make millions of more children live. I know that they've already figured workarounds for almost everything. <laughs> so they're, they're shipping people to other states. They're employers that are paying for abortions and paying for transportation to states where it's still legal. Um, there are uh, services now that can get you uh, essentially drugs that can't be sold legally across the uh, over the counter here in the United States so that you can do your abortion in the comfort of your own home. Nevertheless, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that the bet that the Democrats made um, that abortion was going to be so popular that it would sweep them to a midterm victory uh, looks like it's not playing out that way. Uh, the second one is the media versus the people. And uh, the reason why I say the media versus the people is I just get the sense that the way journalists have been treating this race is first as, as if it were a foregone conclusion. And then when it became clear that it was not going to be the foregone conclusion that they thought it would be, uh, then it, the coverage has shifted to a tone of kind of what's wrong with you people? Uh, because they didn't go along with what the narrative was that was being played up so much in, in the media. And uh, and the day after the election, that'll be interesting because if it turns out to be substantially different than they anticipated, um, my guess is the pages of the press are not going to be filled with mea culpas. Um, they will find more ways to denigrate the American people and basically say that they made the wrong choice. Uh, finally, a legitimate political race. Um, Robert Delancey, Kennedy, O'Malley, O'Rourke, uh, or whatever his full name is, uh, Beto O'Rourke in Texas versus uh, uh, Governor Greg Abbott. And um, that one, I'm, I'm really, uh, I believe, and I'm continuing to hope we'll, we'll uh, reelect the incumbent governor. Um, and the reason for that is not only because I really don't want to go through the hassle of having to gather up all my guns and hand them over uh, to Beto, uh, but just just the tedium and expense of having to lighten them first uh, before you hand them over, you know, just emptying them all out um, <laughs> at downrange. Um, so I don't want to have to go through that either. Yeah, my guns were all lost in a traffic, a tragic avalanche. Uh, years and years ago, they're all they're they're all gone. Um, uh, just a few thoughts. I already shared my favorite race with you. Uh, one is I don't expect any any big changes from this next Congress, and it's not because I don't think there aren't Republicans who mean it when they say they're fiscal conservatives and they want to they want to cut they want to cut spending, they want to cut taxes, they want to cut regulations and get this economy moving again. Because there are plenty of Republicans who want to do that thing or those things. The problem is this isn't 1994 again. I think we, we might be on the verge, Republicans might be on the verge of a 1994 size win here. I think there are going to be a lot of surprises on election night, and I think they're mostly going to break for the GOP, and that's going to be a, a long and very, very sad night for the Democrats. And for that, I, oh, nope, I can't even find my world's smallest violin. I, it's on the floor somewhere. I dropped it. Sorry. Um <laughs> That said, uh, in in 1995, when Newt Gingrich and that GOP crew won the uh, the or, or came into power in uh, in January '95, Bill Clinton liked being a popular president. And he could he could he could read the tea leaves and realize, hey, 
the American public has changed its mind about government. I'm going to get on board this bandwagon. And even though he and Newt Gingrich butted heads for, for years, they still work together. They still compromise. Clinton compromised. Um, there are no compromisers in this Biden White House. The radicals are fully in charge. And instead of getting real budget negotiations like the ones in the 90s that got us uh, nearly balanced budgets for a few years there, we're just going to have two years at a minimum of continuing resolutions where it's just the same spending year after year because because of the Democrats in this White House. You can mark my words on that. It's sad, but it's true. Um, but that said, feel good about this. Uh, we need to repudiate everything that this Biden administration and this Congress have done in the last two years. And even if we can't do that by passing laws and repealing the stuff they've done, this damage the Democrats have done to us these last two years, at least we can repudiate them on Election Day. So don't take anything for granted. Go to the polls, vote your ass off as many times as it takes to get this job done. All right, that's your right angle on that. Brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. I want to thank Zoe for sitting in for Bill this week. Scott, thank you for being here almost every week after 12 and a half <laughs> years, I just realized, during the backstage show. Wow, that's a lot of elections. I feel good about this one. All right, thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you next time. 